Jesus didn't have a problem with people that's in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Once again, we welcome you back to Faith in Your Recovery. For us, this is a Wednesday when we do our studio work. It always breaks on a Friday, so happy Wednesday, happy Friday, whatever the case is in your life. Have a guest with us today that came to us straight from work, and we appreciate that. He's a busy man, and he's happy to be busy. You'll hear that in his voice, and you'll hear that in the joy that he shares, but we're looking forward to the interview with Michael Johnson. Welcome, Michael. Hey, good to be here. Good to have you. Let's look at life. Tell the folks where you're at now, what's going on, and then we'll go back and start to put those puzzle pieces together that's led to your success. Okay. Yeah, I'm 26. I'm living in a duplex here in Anderson. I own a small business, a tree service, and we're staying very busy and definitely came a long way from where I was. So It's on the grow and the go from the sounds of things, your business. Yes, sir. Yes, it's grown pretty quick. And just word of mouth has really got us to where we are now. And I think it's going to continue to grow us to where I want to be. That word of mouth, it can work for you or against you. So obviously you're doing something right for that to come together in that way. So congratulations. Was that a dream at any time early on in life? Or is this kind of a later life decision? When I say later life, you're 26, you got a lot of life ahead. But later in those years, or how'd this come about? So I think when I got sober, I started seeing that anything was possible. And I was tired of just going to work for somebody else. And I said, man, I can start a business. I can be successful. And I just, I can. So anyways, I went out on my own and started and I never looked back. I love those words, I can, because it's the I can'ts that stop us when we can. Amen, yeah. Yeah, so you said when you got sober. Let's go back to that part of your life when you weren't sober. Tell us a little about your addiction struggles, your substance use disorder. Walk us through that time from early life to the point it hit, what it was like living it, and we'll go ahead to where you are. Yeah, I started using drugs when I was 13 years old, getting in and out of trouble with juvenile and stuff. Really, my actions changed when I was on those drugs. The things I wouldn't do when I was sober, I would do when I was high, and that just progressively got worse. And as you become an adult, the the punishments become worse with jail and institutions and just taking your life away as, as well as your mind. And I actually became homeless and not sleeping on your friend's couch, like walking the streets, having nowhere to go. And it was pretty difficult, and it was a hard time. We were, I was breaking into abandoned houses and having to live in, in the wintertime with no no one there for me, and it was one of the most difficult parts of my life. 
by yourself out in the elements, basically. Some walls around you, but I'm going to guess not a lot of heat or a lot of comfort. None. No, like when homeless, it was it was homeless, homeless. Yeah. <laughs> beyond a doubt. Yeah. yeah. Beyond it, you said couch surfing. Yeah. So what were your drugs of choice? You mentioned being into the drugs. What were your drugs of choice? I'd do about anything. I was a drug addict, so it was whatever I could do to get high. But I think it really went downhill when I got into the methamphetamine circles around town and stuff like that. It just really took me down with it. And I never even realized like where my life was or where it was going so quickly. In a blink of an eye, you have nothing and you're nowhere. So that, that was probably when I started to experience the most trouble in my life is when I started associating myself with that drug. So I think you said you were 13 when you started? Correct, yes. yes. Okay, what did you begin with? Marijuana, pain pills, just not to demote these drugs, but littler things. Easier. Easier things, correct, yeah. Nothing too hard until I became 18, and I really didn't even know what I was getting into. I was just offered it, and I said, yeah, that's cool, whatever. And now looking back, it's, God, that's meth, man. What are you doing? So did you have incarceration time during those periods? Yes, I've been in and out of jail so many times. For a while, it felt like I couldn't quit going to jail for the littlest things. A lot of that, probably say, was God, too, trying to get me out of that situation and, again, repetitively. But, yeah, it was. I was there probably nine times in the three or four years I was homeless. What would you guess was the total amount of time of incarceration of those nine times, give or take? Two and a half years. So you spent two and a half years basically incarcerated. How long did you say you were homeless? Three years? During that period of time, I was 18 when I got back into town, got out of the juveniles and stuff. I got kicked out of the halfway house. That was a transition from the juveniles. And at that time, I was couch surfing to begin with, but then it progressively got worse where I was on the street. I'd say I was actually homeless and nowhere to live for a good three months. But during those three months, it was in the dead of winter. And yeah, so it was right around Christmas time and stuff. Worst possible time for those conditions. Worst time, yeah. I can't imagine. You're not the first one to be in that seat and share that kind of story. And it had to be a lot of trauma beyond just the fact you didn't have a home, but the pain going on in your head and your heart over that disappointment in yourself. Mm-hmm. Your it sounds from something you said earlier when you inserted God there, kind of like Paul says, "I do the things I don't want to do." but I have a hard time doing the things I want to do. And I know I'm doing wrong, but I don't know how to do otherwise. It seems like you were in that kind of futility at times. You wanted to get out. You didn't know how. The pull was stronger than the draw to something positive, at least in your head and heart. Is that true? Yeah, I didn't know why my life was getting this bad. And the ideas that I had to get myself in a better life was all negative, the still the same. It was never like, hey, I'm going to get a job at that. When you're involved that heavily in the drugs and you're homeless and you're around all these other like people, it's like, hey, why don't you get a job and start doing better and going into different places? Like that doesn't even as 
silly as that sounds, it doesn't even cross your mind when you're so deeply involved in that. And uh, Your focus is pretty single-minded, I would think, and that's the next fix, next hit, next drink, whatever the case may be. Yeah, incredibly. Yeah, yeah. and there's that scripture that says bad company corrupts good morals. Mm-hmm. And even with your fight to get it right, the company you were hanging with, they were not a support to anything positive. And so that just continued to take you on that downhill slide. So walk us out of the darkness. as it worked for you? Oh, I love this you story. Know, I, I know that everybody has a different journey a different story to success, to being clean, to being sober, that God even walks each one of us in a different direction. We would like to hear your story, your journey. So share that, please. Yeah. So like you said, God walks you out of that that destination where you were at. He literally did that with me. So I was homeless. I had a backpack full of belongings, the only belongings I had. And as I was walking down the street here in town, I literally took off my bag, dropped it in the middle of the sidewalk, something you'd think a crazy person would do. For what reason? I took it off and I went to the hospital and I said, I'm done. I'm like, I'll be whatever you need me to be able to get me treatment. I'll be suicidal, whatever you need. And I was telling the doctors this and I'm that. I'm done with this life. I, I want to do better. And I 100% believe that was God taking my, me by the hand and saying, you're done with this life. And when I got there, I got into the the St. Vincent Stress Center. They kept me there for two weeks while I rehabilitated. Got off the drugs anyways and got a, a little bit of sobriety under my belt those two weeks. And from then, I came to the center not too long after that, the Christian Center. So the Christian Center, folks, so you know, is also located here in Anderson. We'll hear some more about it here in just a moment. But you spoke of how you laid your backpack down. Did you hear a voice from God? Did you have an inner spirit in you saying, this is the moment? Let's drop who we are and become who you've been created to be. No, but I feel like he was there saying, you're done. Afterwards, and I look back on it, that's exactly what I feel like happened. But at the time, no, I didn't have that inner voice, though I've had it many times afterwards in different situations. Not at that time. It was just something came over me. It was more of an overwhelming sensation. just came over me. I dropped it on the back. Why? I have no idea. And I beelined it for the hospital. Why? I don't know. It's just I'm done. And so you took that backpack, laid it on the ground, and didn't look back. No. Go back to it. Nope. I don't know what happened to I, it. <laughs> it'd be interesting to right, know, yeah. all right, I yeah. think. Yeah. But I'd like that idea because that was your worldly belongings, is what I heard you say just a second ago. Everything you possess was basically in that bag. Except the clothes on my back. Except the clothes on your back. And to lay it down is almost a symbolic way of the old becoming new. Yes. You got rid of everything that was consuming you, everything that was you, went naked before God and his spirit, symbolically, obviously, Mm -hmm. and said, Here I am. Do with me. And then you took that step to go to the, where did you say, St. Vincent? No, St. 
John? Saint, it was St. Vincent Stress Center up in uh, Indianapolis. St. Vincent Stress Center. Yeah, they're in Indianapolis. And you pleaded unto them, hey, whatever you need me to be, I'm that guy because I want to help badly enough that I can prove to you that's who I am. Yeah. And they were able to offer that to you. And that that moment of transition from the time you laid that backpack down, sounds to me like it came about pretty quick. Yeah, so quickly. And when I was in juvenile and stuff and taking these classes, sobriety, and I always said, oh, I wanted to get sober. And as soon as I got out, I used again. And back, looking back, I think everybody wanted me to be sober. And that's why I was like, yeah, I want to be sober. But deep down, I really didn't want it. But at that point in time, when I dropped all my <clears throat> belongings down, on the sidewalk, that's when I knew it's, yeah, I'm done. I'm going to look for a better life. And you decided that was your intention, direction. I have a friend who likes to use the term, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And it sounds to me like you were at a very similar place in your life. And you recognized, I, I watched Dr. Phil on occasion. Somebody will make a comment. Dr. Phil will challenge that comment with, How's that working for you? (laughs) And your old ways weren't working, obviously. You just mentioned the fact that you had that desire to be clean, but you weren't ready to invest in it. When the backpack hit the ground... That was my investment. (laughs) That was. That was your white flag of surrender. (laughs) And your invitation to God to say, hey, here I am. Do something with me, please. That's big-time stuff. What was some of your first experiences as you started to get clean? I know, and I want to make sure others know, we realize that isn't always a perfect path. It can be as squiggly as any line you could possibly draw. We would prefer it to be straight line, but that's not the way it happened. Did you have any relapses? What was the temptation like to return to the drug? Or were you so focused that did not become a part of the issue? No, I haven't relapsed. February 17th of 2024 will be five years. Congratulations. Um, thank you. No, some of the struggles that I've came across is with my record. I wasn't able to get a job. And I sat in the bed here at the center one night and cried because I got denied the job that I put in an application for because of my record. And I cried and I prayed. I'm like, Lord, please help me find a job. I need a job. Something to get me motivated rather than just sitting around. and Create some pride and give you yes. intentionality and in everything that goes with it. Yes. Yeah. And so the very next morning at when we were eating breakfast, out of 40 people that was in there, that very next morning after praying and crying to God, one, a guy came up to me and asked me if I'd like to do tree work, for, help out doing tree work for the day. And I said, yes, with so much anticipation. I was like, yes. And that was another sign from God. Not only did I drop my belongings on the side of the road for whatever reason, but also I prayed the very night before and out of 40 people, what are the odds? Someone asked me if I want a job. One out of 40. When we look at it, we see one out of 40. 
God saw one out of one. One, yeah. I like your description of that. So we've talked about the backpack. Now we're talking about breakfast. Mm. And we're talking about the forward progress that goes with all of that. How long were you in the Christian Center? Three, three months, three months. While we were here, while you're here, you have to either work or pay, I think, $100 a week in order to stay. So anyways, I had the job. Once I got that job, we worked full time and I donate my other time, the 30 hours or so a week. So I wouldn't have to pay the cost of living here. And I was just saved up all the money that I could. I wouldn't go out to eat. I wouldn't do anything. And You were serious. Oh, I was serious. I was so serious. And I just knew. Dead serious before you were dead. Yeah. Pardon that expression, but yes. Yeah. So I just saved money, saved money, got with Aspire, another group here in Anderson that will help you get on your feet, get housing and stuff. And they helped me out the first six months, get an apartment after three months of being here. And yeah, everything's been great since. What was your volunteering? How did you volunteer? I worked in the kitchen primarily. That was my... Here um, at Christians. Correct. Yes. So we do dishes, serve... Mop, sweep, everything regular kitchen duties sure. consists of. And that was outside of my 40 hours when I would work doing trees. Okay. When you had a path that you followed, and I'm going to guess you must have been given some whispers in your heart along the way of God. It talks in there how he'll almost tap us on the shoulder and say, go to the right, go to the left. Yeah. And you were, you were trying to do your best to get that accomplished. Yeah, yeah that's awesome stuff. What was your biggest surprise during all of that other than being one in 40 and the one who got chosen? Man, I don't know if it was surprise, just but knowing deep down, like God is good and you're making, if things aren't perfect now, you're in a homeless shelter, stick with it. There's nothing back there for you. Anyone that used to associate it, anywhere that you used to go, None of that ever helped me in the past, so it's probably not going to help me in the future. And just keeping that mindset, this is what I have now, this is what i got to work with, and we're just going to take it one step at a time. And this is where I want to go. You saw your—you may not have seen it clearly, your your present destination, but you saw your dream. Yeah. You wanted to— to find a place where you could have pride in yourself, and you've obviously done that with your job. It sounds like that's going great. What was a? <laughs> I am not one for heights. I want to make that clear. What was it like for you that first day with the tree work? So I was never in the bucket. When I first started working for somebody else, before I started my own company, I was never in the bucket to begin with. I was always on the ground. And I showed eagerness to learn more. I wanted to pay raise and stuff. I was like, tell me what I need to do. And he let me up in the bucket one time, and I wasn't scared. I did it once, and something fell off between his current cutter and the owner and I I took over the position and had to learn a lot of that on my own I wasn't necessarily trained for it because the owner himself had a full-time job at the time and it was just YouTube learning a lot and then just learning a lot on myself buying books and just studying and I, I never really had that sense of fear until unless there was liabilities underneath like the houses and stuff that's yes. what I'm more fearful of than okay personal not health. For yourself, well, I'm not saying I'm not. <laughs> no, it's one your priority thought. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? Yeah. 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 So that's cool. That's cool. 
as you started to get into that, did you start to have the dream or the vision of owning your own tree company? Or how did that come about? I started saving money. I was so focused on it. I knew with money comes more possibilities. It's not that I'm greedy or anything. It's just I know there's more possibilities the more I can save. So I started saving enough to where I had a healthy amount that I knew it could start creating me more money. So I thought about investing it, did invest some of it. And eventually I really started to get a passion for what I was doing, cutting the trees, the thrill of it, as well as the necessity for the work that we do. It was something else, and I thought to myself, I could do this one. I could start my own company. I did. I started running his company while I was at work. I was doing estimates. I was climbing. I was cutting. I was doing groundwork. I did everything that I did every single position there already everything was. Everything outside the office you could do. Exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. So I, I started doing that for myself two years ago, and I never looked back. Awesome. Sounds to me like you're somebody who gets vision you figure out a way to get there, and you don't stop until you do. Yeah. That's neat. That's neat. We need more of that. What is the advice you would give to someone who was where you were in life at 18, 19, 20 years old? What would you say to that guy or that gal who struggles with drugs, alcohol, whatever the case may be? Yeah, assess your friendships. Like, you're... Where are those people at in life? And you really need to start hanging around people that are trying to do better, people that want more, people that are successful. And you need to have a goal. You need to have some sort of goal to follow, whether that be, I want this car, I want this house, I want this kind of future. You just need to have some type of goals in life. And I wish I understood the necessity for that when I was my age. And I probably wouldn't have listened to it anyways. But now, looking back, I would have really respected that. We all, regardless of if we have a battle with drugs in life or not, we all take lessons at different points and we're ready here at different points. Like you said, you may not have listened anyhow if you were told. And somebody probably did has. tell you in so many words. Yeah. But I like your comment. You've got to assess your friendship, set goals and then move on from there. What is your biggest regret from that time period in your life? Wrongful doings with family members. When I was on drugs, I stole in the past when I was younger, and that's just something you can really never take take back. Although my family has forgiven, they see the progress I've made, and I actually have closer ties with my family than I've ever had now. It's just something about that you can never really take back. It's you know? within you, not because they remind you, but you remind yourself 100%. of what you've done. And even if somebody does say, I forgive you, it doesn't change that moment from the past, mm -hmm. does it? No. And we still deal with that. We still have to work with that within. I was going to ask you where you were with your family, it sounds like you're in a good place. Yeah. I have, uh, like I said, a closer relationship with my family now than ever. I'm able to come see them whenever I want, and we take them out to eat even and stuff like that. It's a different side of things. That's for sure. It's awesome. It's amazing. That's neat. We're going to have a gentleman here in a few weeks who deals with interpersonal relationship 
trust. He deals with communities and their trust with minorities. Between minorities and others, he deals, he's dealing with the nation of Canada and some trust issues they have with Afghanistan. And he also deals with family trust issues issues. So what you're saying plays right into that. Now they trust you. They've seen the new Michael. (laughs) God touched, God changed Michael, how he's living. You've said many things about your faith. What did your faith mean to you in the recovery battle? Like I said, that those certain situations that happened in my life has really solidified my faith in God. And whenever I'm in doubt, I feel like I just, I pause now and I either pray about it, think about it. And just that, that sense of knowing everything is in God's plan and things will work out regardless gives me a sense of, I I can accomplish anything. I can try and I can fail and that's okay. God's got me. Anything can happen to me. You could do anything to me and I'll be okay. I came through so much now. My, my worst days today is there's or headaches I wish I could have even thought about having back in the day. And that's some, I often forget that. But at the end of the day, I go home, I'm about to sleep. I say, okay, that is true. Yeah. And I just continue on. That's what it's going to take and let that relationship continue to grow. Goals for your future, what do they look like? Yeah, I have a lot of goals right now. I've studied a lot of wealthy people, millionaires, even billionaires, through social medias, the YouTube channels and stuff. And I've really taken a liking on some of the things they have to teach. Most wealthy people invest in businesses, stocks, and real estate. So I own a business now. I invest in stocks. And I'm here in a few months going to be investing in some real estate, a condo in South Carolina. I eventually want to be a millionaire. I've decided that last year. It's like, I I can do it. I just got to start pushing and getting in real estate now. And those are my goals. They're happening way quicker than I thought they would, and I just dedicate a lot of my time focusing on that. That is so important to have that kind of... To get the doors to open, you want them to open to the right place. Mm-hmm. And you've got those things down to where you're working toward that. You had mentioned to me earlier before we were on air that you're either in the process or looking at writing a book. I'm not sure which one you said. Tell us a little bit about that part of your life. Yeah, I have a lot of interesting things come to my mind and more so philosophy. And I always jot them down on my phone. I have a notebook at the house that I'll write down things. It's not necessarily because I have no idea how to even begin writing a book, but all the things that come to my mind that's, hey, that's very smart or that's a wise thing that I've learned from this circumstance, I'll write down and eventually... When I'm older and wiser, I'd like to publish something. And so other people can benefit from me more so than what they can just in person from in contact. So you want to be able to tell them what's worked for you, what's made you the success you are, and hopes they can find what will make them the success they want to be. Yes. You say that about you're not sure how to start writing a book. I think back to my childhood, I think four words, once upon a time. (laughs) I'm not suggesting that as as the title, but just that idea of thinking back to that, putting down the backpack, 
The guy walking in at breakfast, and there's 40 of you there, and he asks you if you want to go help him with tree work that day. And I'm sure that list goes on and on far beyond that. And as you start to write it down, that list will grow. And that I look forward to you getting that done. Don't wait too long. I may not have the years you have, okay? And make sure I get a signed copy. But I'd love to see that happen because I'm sure it'd be not just an expression of faith, but a journey to hope. Yeah. And that's... Isn't that what it's all about for all of us? You had the hope of getting out of that lifestyle, and you got out of it. You've got the hope of your goal of being a success and working with that. Do you consider—I keep saying it. Let me ask you. Do you consider yourself a success today? That is a question that, that I ponder on so much more than you might know. Successful in ways such as battling addictions and not having to think about where am I going to get high or how am I going to get high. That type of situation, yes. Am I as successful as I want to be? No. Am I? Do I have a successful mindset? I'm not sure. I just I know what I want, and I don't know. To to me to look at myself and say, hey, you're successful would be me just being able to sit down and relax now. But, hey, it's not over. I want more, and I'm going to keep pushing. So I'm not where I want to be. but Far, yeah. Much farther than where you were, I mean, right? Yes, much I mean. nearer to <laughs> yes. it than you've ever been. Yes. I kind of look at that, of what you're saying there. If you think of the alphabet and the S is for success, you've gotten to maybe – the letter G in your life or any other letter you'd want to pull out of there. And you are a success up to G, but you're still trying to move forward before you'll let your mind and heart settle on the idea of being a success. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately important. I've always said, even at my age, I want one more good game in me. I don't mean basketball or any other sport, just another good podcast, another good blessing to offer to somebody, another good day to share with somebody. But I want to be more tomorrow than I am today, and I want to be the person God's created me to be. 100%. And I've I've not been through the struggles you've been through, but I've been through that battle of when am I a success? Not above you, not better than you, not less than you, but when have I become, when will I become that person God created me to be? And I believe that's like a carrot dangling in front of us, and you never quite get to the carrot. I'm okay with that, but I'm going to keep trying. (laughs) Who knows? It may just swing enough that it'll come back to me. (laughs) So as long as it doesn't knock me out when it hits me and I can keep going, I'll be good with that. Give the folks out there a challenge. Wherever they may be in life, whether it's from addiction issues and struggles or just life's been good for them, what would you say? Goals. You write down some, get a list, and I want you to write down every single thing that you want. And I promise you, when you have the desire to get something, you can get it. And once you have the why you want it, things just happen, start to make 
place for them. And that's, at least that's what I've seen God do in my life. I have a why I want this, and I just keep working for that. And I know everything I do is going is contributing to that future to that future situation. So It's a second nature thing. You don't even realize you're doing it, but you've conditioned yourself to yeah. stay in that battle, yeah. to stay in that challenge, to stay on that path and work your way toward that. So I think many times it boils down to goals and then having those many M-I-N-I steps underneath that. How am I going to get to that goal? And then tomorrow, when the opportunity arises, take that next right step and just keep at it. And so let's say you hit that point at 48 years old. You've accomplished your goals. How would you handle life? Man, if I'm so I would keep, I think at 48, I'd keep pushing. Now, if I'm 55 or 50, getting to that point okay, where let's it's. Let's say you're at that point where you're ready to slow down, be it health wise, psychologically, or relationally. Let's yeah. say you're at that point, 55, 60, 65 years old. I think I would want to start reaching out more and helping others at that point. Once I have the successful background backing me and what I say, I feel like people tend to listen more. When you're in such a high standing, people tend to take what you say more heavily. And at that point, I'd like to really reach out to people that are seeking success, seeking a better life, seeking freedom from addiction, and just kind of guide them more. So I can leave a legacy like of helping people behind when you can prove it's true because it worked for you that gives you a pretty solid foundation people can't knock that out from under you because look at me here Mm. i am i'm not saying the same foundation is going to work for everyone unless we consider god as that foundation and i believe with all my heart as much as I question myself when I say this. There's ways to success without God, but I don't know of one I would choose to where I wouldn't want to be without God. Neither do I. Whether it's success, whether it's getting out of addiction or what, I don't want to go to Walmart tomorrow without God. And I want what he has to offer. I want to be able to... I know the goal in life's not to please him, but I sure want to hear those words. Well done, that good and faithful servant. Enter into your reward. And I believe that reward comes here on earth, just like you've expressed it here today. You've got a peace of mind, a peace of heart through your relationship with him, the way you've overcome, the things you've been able to accomplish, and that's just going to propel you forward. So what would you like to wrap up with here, Michael? Appreciate your time, but even if you're repeating, what, yeah, what do you want to wrap up with? Some advice. I really hope anybody that's getting sober and really trying, they're going to get lonely. You are, you're giving up one whole, you're sacrificing your old life for a new one. And it's, it's the unknown, which can be scary, but, and it's going to get lonely. It's going to get hard. But if you set your goals and everything you do is working for those goals, working towards that better life, then you're not going to fail. You've came through so much. 
you're alive from that addiction. So just you just got to keep on pushing, and you're going to be good. God's got you. You're alive. Yeah. And don't forget that even on your darkest day. I heard it said one time, every one of us have survived those days we said we couldn't make it through. Those days that would take us out, and if you're listening to me, somehow you survived that day. You survived your very worst day to be here today. And I believe there's purpose and reason in that for you to be able to share a story such as yours. So thank you for that. Yeah, I loved it. Good deal. It's been great to have you. Folks, we believe here at Faith in Your Recovery, it's possible We do recover. It's not always easy, not always simple. Ask God to join you. Ask God to lead you. He'll get you there. We're going to trust in you just as we trust in him. Come back to us for another episode. And if you have an interest, you believe you have a story you can share with us, get a hold of us at podcast at ablbh.org. And we'll get back to you. Between now and then, there's four words. Stay in the battle. God bless. Thank you. Amen.